Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Kia ora, nā mai haramai ki te au hurihanga. Hello and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Clark and Kanana ho. Happy New Year, wishing you all the very best for 2024. And I hope you're having a great summer, whatever you're up to. This is our Summer Science series, where we mix things up a little. And today, with thanks to Katamari Ragan Kumar, we've got an episode from Voices, the podcast that tells stories about the lives of those New Zealanders that were born overseas. In this episode, Katamari meets with Italian-born seabird scientist Dr. Gaia Della Rizia to hear about how life a long way from the Mediterranean has been going. Hope you enjoy it. Gosh, that's loud, huh? It's very loud. A seabird colony at night is very loud. It's very noisy. But it's this incredible experience of having these thousands of birds that flies around you. And this is taken just with my phone in the night, filming <laughs> in the darkness to all the noise and the birds that fly around. Kiara and welcome to this new series of Voices. I'm your host and producer, Kadambri Ragukumar. I'm walking around Auckland's Orake Basin today with seabird scientist Gaia de la Aricia. She's monitoring the shag colony populations around here. And highly considerate and conscious as she is, she's a little concerned about my outdoor wear in all this mud and slush. I do fine your shoes. Yeah, I'm good. I've come prepared. I didn't wear my city slicker Adidas today. <laughs> We are towards the end of the breeding season now because they start, They are not very synchronized, the different colonies or the different birds within one colony. And they start late August, early September till now, um, end of November. And then there is a second breeding season at the beginning of the year, towards January, February. Um, what would a, a sort of smallish colony like this be how many birds would you be talking about? It's very variable. We may have sometimes a single nest or just two nests. Uh, for example, it depends on the species also. Little shag tend to have smaller colonies or mixed with the tight shags. Some other colonies we may have 30 nests altogether. I can actually this, smell them by the way, that smell yeah. I can hear. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wind is in our favour. <laughs> we have it just in front, a few metres from us now, so yes, we can smell them. <laughs> so the nest that you see on top, it's a pied shag. It's probably the most abundant species here, the classical black and white, it's quite big. And the nest underneath, it's the little shag. 
uh, you can recognize the difference in size and this one have a black belly so it's also easier to recognize. Is that... Basically we have three of the five Oakland species that are sitting on the same tree at the moment. Oh, we got lucky then, didn't we? Yeah. Yep, because we're here pretty early in the morning and like many things in nature, we just weren't sure about either the weather or how many birds may be here. Gaia is used to a little more predictability actually. She was born and raised in Italy, but cut her teeth as a seabird expert in the Mediterranean, mostly south of France. But New Zealand has given her many more surprises than just this constantly shifting weather. In front of the big nest up, uh-huh. there's another little shack colony in front, so the nest are tree. It's quite clear when you look. Oh yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, these are some serious binoculars. What a treat. So many species. I was used, you know, in the Mediterranean, there are three species of Procellariform, so there are two shearwaters and one stone petrel. Here, only the Procellariforms are 16 species within the Auckland region. The, the Hauraki Gulf, it's considered a hotspot within New Zealand for biodiversity of seabirds and New Zealand itself it's considered the seabirds capital of the world because for the incredible biodiversity so having so many species uh, that are around and they share the colony we saw here for that we have two different species of shags breeding on the same tree but when I'm out on the island there are several shearwaters, several petrels and several storm petrels all breeding one next to the other. So this is something and that you'd never seen back in Europe in the Mediterranean? No, let's France. say that the colony where I was used to work before uh, were monospecies. I was used with the Scopolicia waters, that is the most common in the, in the Mediterranean. It's a, it's a big shearwater and you have hundreds or thousands of this single bird over there that nests very um, concentrated, the colony, but that's only one. You don't have others. While you go here, for example, up in the in the Mokohinu, and only there you have 11 different species that breeds there. And wow. you are out at night. The majority of them are nocturnal at the colony, so they come back. They forage during the day at sea, and they come back at night at the colony. So you walk in the day and see that there's nothing, and you walk at night, and it's so crowded from birds calling. Another big surprise that I had arriving here is that uh, most of shearwaters and petrels nest in the forest and a lot of them breeds up the mountains. So when we go to Aotea Great Barrier or to Hauturo Toy, Little Barrier Island, uh, for the black petrels and the cook's petrel that I monitor, they like to breed from 300 or 400 meters going up <laughs> while what I was used is that's working at sea level of flat colonies and basically with no vegetation or just very low vegetation on the trees which make everything very different <laughs> so you're saying your fitness levels have significantly improved since coming to <laughs> yes <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> 
She spends most of her days, well at least during this seabird breeding season, on the islands in the Hauraki Gulf and Altea Great Barrier Island after abandoning academia to take up missions like this in New Zealand three years ago. She works with Auckland Council and I'm visiting her at her office now. Feels a little incongruous, but hey. Basically, I've done you know, my studies in Italy and then in Switzerland and then I started just after my PhD working on seabirds in the Mediterranean and Atlantic and Subantarctic Islands and I was in, in academia doing fundamental research, working on sense of smells of petrels and how they find each other with the smell. And then at some point after a certain amount of years, a quite big number of years, almost 10, uh, I was realizing that academia was not really my path. You know, you cannot evaluate a good species by his ability to climb a tree, (laughs) let's say. And I started to think about what was more fitting for me. And I went into a period of really big, you know, self-reflection of what I really wanted to achieve and the fact that I wanted also to have a bit more of a practical impact. Completely by chance, I am in an international seabirds mailing list and so into my mailbox arrive a job offer from Auckland Council looking for a seabird scientist. And I wanted to visit New Zealand. It's the dream place for seabirds, but I never thought about living here before actually came in with a job, <laughs> which is quite incredible, and I'm loving it. So what, what was it like for you to grow up in Italy? Why is it that you got drawn towards studying seabirds? I grew up in Rome in an apartment, <laughs> so definitely not in, you know, in a very natural environment, but my parents were both loving nature so they gave my parents gave me the love my dad the love for the mountains and alpinism and hiking and my mum the love for the sea and go diving and go you know with uh, uh, snorkeling and then I learned scuba diving afterwards so and they both were animal lovers so I grew up with animal documentaries and for the dream of studying actually animal behavior Those are the Cook's petrels she's been monitoring the population of at Great Barrier Island this season. They tend to breed in burrows in the forest. So it's, uh, there's a lot of hiking and tramping to manage to get and find the burrows that are then in, in the forest. And in some places it's like fairy forest with this all mature, the, the cloud forest and it's... Um, it's really a magical place that you walk between these huge trees and then say, oh, that's a hole there, that's a nest, because we have to think that the petrels, they are only nocturnal at the colony and they nest underground. So they dig holes underground. It's a, it's a burrow and they breed over there. So during the day, we can walk in a place and see absolutely nothing. It's completely quiet and nothing would tell you that there are petrels or shiwaters around, wow. except to the attentive person. You can smell them because it's a very particular odor that they have. And then at night, everything changed and everything is so active and so noisy, so noisy and all the birds just start to fly around you. Incredible. What a feeling. 
I, it's, uh, I really feel privileged for, for the work I do. You know, there are constraints because it means to travel a lot to remote places where a lot of time it's not the most comfortable conditions so sometimes we have a bunkhouse or a hut where we can stay uh, I think only in one of the places I work to I have the right to a shower otherwise it's not and other places we are definitely camping or just you know having a tarp that cover our sleeping bags on the ground and this is it so they're very for what for a couple of days um, and when we don't even have a tent it's yes just a couple of days with a tent can arrive up to a week or 10 days and then other times when we have a hut we manage to be for multiple weeks so it's it's a job that is demanding also on the personal uh, life yeah. point of view. But then it's so rewarding and gives me access to so many incredible places. In what way do you, th- do you think this is making a difference? It is important because we are uh, bringing a lot of species to the brink of extinction and it's try to stop this extinction of biodiversity and in this every of these species is important to keep the to keep the balance and so in this we are also affected in our own uh, well-being if we live in a thriving ecosystem and um, I think also that here in New Zealand we can add uh, a point of view into uh, Te Ao Maori and you know, the species are considered Taonga. And in this, we need to do our best in being kaitiaki, in being guardians, and uh, kind of promote the thriving of the world ecosystem. What is really good in uh, here in New Zealand, and one, it's something that is really renewed abroad, you know, studying of seabirds, we know about the conservation that in New Zealand it's done because there's a real focus in conservation and how we can save these birds and, and it gives the impression that things have really happened and wanting to work in conservation and wanting to work with seabirds, New Zealand is really the, the place to be because they are really... Uh, advance in in technologies, let's say, to make the islands predator-free. It's quite nice to be and to work in a place when we have the impression that things happen and we, with my work today, I can really have an impact in the conservation and the thriving of the species. Gaia and her team are currently working on monitoring how feathers of seabirds can give us indications of contaminants in the ocean. She's likely to be somewhere on an island at the moment, without a doubt. At least the weather feels mildly Mediterranean these days. That's Voices Today with me, Kadhamvrida Gokumar. Every week I bring you stories from all across New Zealand about people from all around the world who live here. So join me on Apple, iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find Voices on the RNZ website. And I'm Kadhamvrida Gokumar. Thanks for listening.